This is the Austin Rugby Podcast, your home for all rugby in Central Texas. We do our best to cover every level of rugby played here in the capital. And the goal of the podcast is to continue to grow the sport of rugby in Central Texas and the United States. Each contributor of the podcast has their own individual thoughts and opinions, which may or may not necessarily reflect those of the teams that they represent. But we all do our best to cover rugby here in Texas. As a disclaimer, some language may be explicit on the podcast, as we do not edit for time and full effect. I'm your host, Dustin. Thanks for joining Season 2 of the Austin Rugby Podcast. We hope you enjoy. everybody, welcome back to the Austin Rugby Podcast. So glad you can join us. Really feel bad about last week and not being able to get a podcast out for everybody. Thank you for all those who had well wishes. I literally lost my voice. So to do a podcast, you need to be able to talk into a microphone. And I couldn't. I literally couldn't even speak. Couldn't do anything at all. Talking was hard for quite a few days but we're back this week lots of great stuff on the podcast it's been two weeks of mlr the texas rugby union red river conference schedule is jam-packed full of matches we've got a lot of guests on this week first time guest returning guest and we're going to sit down with mick byrne the new head of rugby for the austin Gilgronies. Really great interview with Mick coming up later. He is uh, just a fantastic person, really knowledgeable about the game, and really trying to change the way that the U.S. approaches rugby as we go out and look for the next generation of rugby players here in the U.S. and continue to grow the game, as we always use that hashtag on everything we do, the hashtag grow the game. So stay tuned. Lots of great stuff. We'll get into a lot of the MLR summaries and recaps of the past two weeks matches um probably more focus on the game last week against new york and we'll preview the upcoming match this week with the utah warriors for now let's get over to the first round of interviews Our first guest this week is new to the podcast, but, you know, not new to rugby. He's an Austin Hunt Hall of Famer and just an outright lover of anything that has to do with USA rugby, club level, MLR, whatever you want to call it, USA national team. I'd like to welcome Mr. Bill Overton to the podcast. Bill, thanks for joining us today, man. Hi, Dustin. Thanks for having me. It's really good that you're doing something like this for, for rugby in Austin. Well, hey, man, it's just, uh, as you and I have talked about before, it's something that I, I feel is, well, fun for me to do. Uh, one, the second my wife puts up for, and allows me to do this, as we've talked about. And then, of course, man, it's with all the great rugby we have here in town. Why not do something like this? You know, it's a place where I think all different rugby teams, uh, all different groups that are here in town can come together, chat a little bit about rugby and and then go on play some games on Saturday or Sunday, depending on what team it is and, and have a good time. So um, well, rugby's, yeah. a, rugby's important and you know, all the competitiveness, all the occasional 
you know, trash talk aside, uh, we're all in a boat. We're all trying to keep the great game of rugby alive and grow it. And it, it's really good that you're taking time to talk about it at a variety of levels. Well, I, I appreciate that. So, but Bill, so you know that we, we usually do talk to, you know, young Alex Reese to cover all of our, our Huns news over the, over the weeks. Uh, but, uh, man, he's been playing at the MLR side a little bit. So I thought we'd bring you on as a foremost expert in, in Huns rugby to talk to us today. So if you wouldn't mind, so last week, obviously I was out a little bit sick. Um, but if you wouldn't mind kind of covering the past two weeks and what the Huns have been up to, and then we can kind of chat a little bit about, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Huns youth rugby with you about the, you know, some history with the Huns, but really want to kind of hear what you've what you've seen with the Huns in the past two weeks and kind of how the season's going so far for the Huns. Well, I'm glad to do that. Uh, Alex Reese is, is something else for me to watch. I played with his dad, uh, John T. Reese, uh, in the early 80s. In fact, we have three legacy Huns in our club right now. Uh, Alex is one of them. Uh, our fly half, Grant Beadle, is another I played with his dad in the early 80s, and we just had Teague Roberts come over. St. Ed's season ended, and he's joining our club this week. And his dad, Mark Roberts, played right after I left. And that's one of the cool things right now with the Huns for me and a lot of other guys is seeing that we're passing this on uh, from generation uh, to generation. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what it's all about, right? That's where, that's where the Huns program starts. It starts with, you know, the, the guys who played back in the, in the seven and the eighties and the nineties who are now having kids that are old enough to one, well, they start off in the youth program. They go through high school like Alex and some others did. And now they're actually coming back full circle and playing with the team once again. And, you know, like those, like Alex are getting lucky enough to, get a shot to play professional level rugby in, in America. That's something it's that it's actually a lot of played, we never yeah. thought about it. <laughs> you know, no. we didn't have a professional when you and I played. So <laughs> there were only um, a few college teams when I played A&M was huge, still are very good, but were huge in rugby back then and played both college and division one rugby at the time. And, you know, the Huns broadcast some of their games. They stream some of their games just using an iPhone. And John T will be watching down in Mexico where he lives now and texting me <laughs> commentary on the game while we're watching his kid play. It's really, it's really pretty amazing. I never thought I'd see anything like this when I was playing. Yeah, it's it's amazing how it has changed, and you know, I've I've been talking to some people saying, "Hey, how do we get you know better cameras, uh, you know, to guys that are up there filming, so that you know we can do better zoom in than you know just filming on an iPhone?" But <laughs> we're talking, we're talking Good about stuff. that. We're talking about that. But in in answer to your uh, original question, the last three weeks have been great, great weeks for the Huns men's side. We're six and zero across all three divisions. We had a huge come from behind Division One uh, win against the Reds on the yeah. first out at Nixon Lane. We were down 21 points at half and stormed back to win 44 to 39. Uh, we've beaten the Reds twice this year in league games, three if you count preseason. And, you know, for us, that was a real bed, bellwether to measure improvement year to year and over the last couple of years. Our, our Division Two side won that day, too, just rolled over the Reds, uh, 51 to 25. Um, on the 8th, uh, D1 and D2 traveled to Houston and handled them pretty easily. And McAllen 
uh, traveled up to uh, Nixon Lane and lost to our D3 side, 63-7. Yeah. Combined scores that day were 40-11 to 11 for Division One. 57 to 19 for division two and 63 to seven uh, for division three. That's something like 70 guys, if you will, 65 to 70 guys playing. Yeah. And, and to pull off three wins like that is really a testament to the club depth and the club coming together. And then last week, uh, our D three side was the only side in action and they won 77 to nothing over San Antonio at Nixon. So, it's been a really strong couple, three weeks for us. And, you know, we're sitting pretty good in the table in D1. We've only lost to the Blacks. And, you know, we're, oh, second. Yeah, we're, we're second on the table. We're still within reach of them um, for the top spot on the table, though it's a little bit of a long shot. Um, D2 started the season slow, but it's won two games in a row. And D3 is sitting on the table at six and two with 31 points. They're second to the national champion, Austin Black. So yeah. it's been a good start to the season. It's been a good last few weeks. Yeah. And I think, you know, you know, we talk about like some of the games coming up this weekend too, you know, for you kind of continue. I believe you guys travel back up to Dallas. Is that right? Uh, if, I, if I'm correct? Well, this is a rough week. This is a rough one for you guys. If I, it, I'm trying to look at the schedule across right Texas. We're spread across <laughs> Texas about 500 miles geographically. We got D1, and, and we're in three different locations. We got D1 yeah. playing the Quins in Dallas. We got D2 playing Fort Worth in Fort Worth. Yeah. And D3 is traveling down to Corpus Christi uh, <laughs> to play them. And guys, by this time of the season, you know, we've played six, five, six games, seven, eight games. Guys yeah. are tired. They're hurt. We got a bunch of guys unavailable this week because of family issues and, and work issues or injury issues. And so, uh, again, this is where the club – uh, has to rally a bit. We juggle the lineups and we travel and we do what we do. You know, if, if, if D3 wins, uh, that's a seven and two table record for them. And they're looking really strong for the playoffs, which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, that's our development side. That's our old boys. That's where new guys go. That's where guys go when, when they're coming back from injury. It, it's a real great mix of, what our club's all about, brotherhood. Um, D2, if if they win, they go to three and three, and that's going to tighten the D2 table up significantly. That would put oh, basically yeah. the blacks, the reds, and us all tied, and it'll... Well, Fort, it'll you've got Fort Worth up there. I mean, they're sitting top of the table now, but, you know, you talk about, you know, they lost their first game of the season to the blacks last week um, in the D2 side. And so, yeah, if you guys pull off that, that I think Fort Worth still, depending on the outcome of the blacks match, um, I think that still puts them, you know, at top of the table, but yeah, it puts everybody at a real close, you know, it puts them within reach and it shows how competitive D2 is, you know, when yeah. I played your second side was just a development side. There weren't playoffs. There, there was nothing. Yeah. And, you know, now, you know, in the Fort Worth's first side is a D2 side. They don't yeah. have a division one side. So this is, this is really interesting the way it mixes out and it shows that division two is very competitive. Well, yeah. I think even, you know, the, you go back to like looking at some of the matches that, 
you know, that the Huns have played, you know, when they played against the blacks over at Burfield, you know, they, they were leading that, that first part of that D2 match. Um, and then, you know, they're playing quite well. Like, I think that there's that D2 competition in, in the TRU is, is tough. Like it's tight. Um, like I know that, you know, we, Tell you between you know the blacks, the Huns, you know Fort Worth, you know Dallas in there. They're still two and two as well. They're not you know the, again everybody. There, there's ten. There's a ten point difference between the top and the bottom, and that can turn around in two weeks. And so, You're just talking about the North Division too. I mean, if we're yeah, talking exactly. about all of TRU, there's good rugby down in Houston, and you know uh, we talked before that D1 rugby because of the training levels and the travel and and just the the requirements is is very demanding and there's a lot of really good division 2 rugby being played because some clubs just don't want to or can't quite commit um, to the D1 level and that leads me into a segue that if we're able to hold off the Quins We'll be five and one heading into a rematch with the blacks at Nixon Lane. So we've yeah. got our work cut out for us. The Quins are better. Uh, they're improving. Uh, they played the Reds tough um, just a couple of weeks ago, I think it was. So, you know, D one in Texas. In fact, if you look at all three divisions that you're talking about right now, um, Austin, Texas is a center for really good rugby all the Absolutely. way up and down the line. You got rock rugby uh, doing a great high school and youth program. You got Westlake high school. You got the Huns doing youth rugby that we'll get to in a minute and fielding three sides and, and really trying to improve and catch up with the blacks who have been probably the best club or one of the best clubs nationally for decades. So yeah, for sure. Contrary to what someone said a year ago, there I think is a great rugby culture in Austin, Texas. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't, we won't talk about that. We, we've talked about that before on the on the podcast, but yeah, I totally agree. Like I think that there's great, you know, Texas rugby. You know, we've said it before. I'll I'll continue to say it. it's tough. Um, you know, you talk about know, the you travel, know, you know, requirements to go from place to place. It, it makes it difficult. It's not just Dustin, traveling. And Dustin, minutes, I failed so. to mention ORC too, which is a startup club this year that's doing really well up yeah. in Round Rock, which just further deepens rugby in the in the greater metropolitan Austin, Central Texas area. Yeah, yeah, and like you said, in the the or the ORC club, you know, over there, and we'll we'll talk to Justin Hale a little bit later. Um, you know, they're they're sitting third place, four and five for a for a brand new team is not too bad playing in, in a tough division, going up against again blacks and Huns and you know teams like McAllen who are fighting with them as well. So, um, Dude, and then, turn and it over a, the scoreboard. That team, that <laughs> team scores points, points <laughs> man. Yeah. You know, and they're not boring games, that's for sure. Well. I, <laughs> It just shows you, you and I talked about this offline. I mean, ORC is stocked with talent. A lot of good players there. Yeah. And and it gets back to that there is just an incredible amount of rugby talent. Huns, obviously the Blacks, a new club in ORC, Rock Rugby, Westlake High, there's a lot of really good rugby being played in this area right now. And it's, it's fascinating to see. It's really good to see for the, for the health of the game. Yeah, for sure. So let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, let's, let's chat about, I really, I admire and I love what the Huns have done with the youth program. 
here in Austin. I think it is absolutely outstanding. I wish more clubs around the country could mimic, you know, what you guys have started. Um, and we talked a little bit earlier, you've got what, 160 something, something odd kids that are, you know, registered for, for Hun's Youth Rugby. Is that right? We have 167 kids registered this year for Hun's Youth Rugby. We fielded a full junior high team, a full high school team for the first time this year. We just went out and bought them throwback jerseys to match our, our men's D1 side, kind of wearing the original Hun's colors from the <laughs> mid-70s, early 70s. And, you know, just by way of comparison, we were ecstatic last year when we had 112 kids. That was the biggest sign-up we've ever had. So we got a 50% growth rate. And I think one of the cool behind-the-scenes things is that Hunts Youth Rugby is run and coached 100% by volunteers. Old yeah. boys in the club going out on a Saturday, you know, they're they they can't commit to playing D3 anymore and they have full-time jobs. But on Saturday, they can go out and teach rugby. But more importantly, we focus on fun. We're trying to teach kids not just the game of rugby, but how to have fun playing rugby. And it's all volunteers. In fact, Scott Constable is the head of the program this year. And Stacy Cooper and Al Garcia in the past really helped him build the program up in recent history and won awards with it. Scott's carrying it on now along with Chris Hansel Johansson Hansen. <laughs> and you know, man, I mean, it's so we got guys that just love the game of rugby going out, having fun. And I don't even want to try and list volunteers that are supporting that program as coaches and stuff, because if I do, I'll leave someone out and hurt their feelings. There are so <laughs> many Huns, old boys, volunteering their time for this it really is a feel-good story and before our games on any given saturday out there you'll have 150 of our kids if there's other matches maybe a couple hundred kids total out there running around playing rugby in the morning before the men get after it in the afternoon it's really a cool thing and parents tell us that it's a lot more fun and a lot more positive than their kids playing peewee football yeah. And and I think that that's, that's one of the big things that I continue to try to push for people who really just don't know about rugby. Like we, we talk about it. We talked about it before. There's a lot of people who just don't know about um, rugby in the U.S. They don't know about rugby in Austin. And we've been trying, you know, the Huns do it. You know, the, the MLR side does it. We're, we're trying to do it like branch out and get some of these youth that are, you know, football players that maybe... You know, <laughs> Want want to show off how how strong they are and you know say hey I'm an I'm an athlete and they take the pads off and they learn learn to play some rugby uh, they kind of get a rude awakening to start off with but it really it shows that we need to continue to branch out and bring more people in 167 is great but I want 367 467 you know Woodlands I don't know their numbers but they're well over 200 if I'm not mistaken and again rock rugby has a really good youth program. Our, I think our high school or middle school, I'm not sure which, just had a match against the Blacks youth rugby program, which has started up, you know, fairly recently. I don't know. I'm sure in the last just few years. Yeah. So this is something that, that is really exciting for me because our disadvantage against some of these other countries that, you know, we want to emulate on an international level eventually is that they start playing rugby 
at a very young age. They play rugby in school. It's intuitive. You know, it's something that that they learned. Like when I was a kid, we played baseball and football. You know, yeah. it's it's their thing, and that's what I'm I, I'm seeing an evolution of as an old guy. I mean, I'm just honored to be on the board. I'm the treasurer. I do bookkeeping. I try to be a cheerleader and and stuff like that. I'm just a fan really at this point, but to see so many volunteers on our club week in, week out, coaching youth rugby, cooking hot dogs for these kids after the matches. It really is an incredible feel good um, experience. And I'm very proud that this is a, a huge part of our club. We're not just about D1, even though we do want to focus on that. We care about our D2 and D3 sides, and we're very interested in growing the game of rugby also at the youth level. Yeah, and that that speaks a lot to the club itself. And I think I, I learned a lot about that you know, when I was graciously invited to the, to the Hall of Fame banquet about just the, the history of the club, you know, where you came from, um, where, where it went all the way up until, um, 2000 and to the uh, 16 to the national championship. Um, and you know, where it's going now and even beyond that. And, you know, we talked about it a little bit and I, I think it's great. I, I see the passion that the, that the core group or I guess this, this larger core group of volunteers that come out on a, on a weekly basis and help out with the youth. They help out with, you know, running touch lines or filming or whatever it may be. And it's, it's kind of what a lot of clubs, you know, want to emulate. And to, that's what that's what their aspirations are to say, yeah, we, we have this great club that's going to come out and we're going to support you from, from the time that you can walk and carry a ball to the time that, you know, we send you on to the national championship game. Um, and so I think that that's, that's something that everybody within the Huns organization should be absolutely proud about. Um, and I know you guys are yeah, boys, boys and, and girls, girls too. Yeah. Last year, there was a story and someone posted a picture on, uh, on the web that one of our young ladies would not go to a sleepover if she couldn't bring her phone and watch the Valkyries play in the national championship <laughs> game. Fantastic. And the moms posted a picture of all the girls huddled around a phone cheering on the Valkyries. So, you know, it really is a great thing. And I, I wish I'd had more to do with it. I, I just can stand on the sidelines and talk about it a little bit. I've been out there a few Saturdays when I'm in town. I, I live in California. I travel as much as I can to go back and watch the Huns. And whenever I do, I, I start my day out at Nixon watching youth rugby because it's just amazing to see this level of interest uh, in in a game that, that you know, when I played, it was much, much less. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's same for me. And I think same for, for those that are probably, we'll call it over 30. <laughs> we'll put in that group. Uh, rugby for us growing up and, and, you know, was not to the level that it is now, I think. And of course that, that leads all the way to, you know, having a professional league in town. Um, you know, for those that don't really know a lot about the, the origins of, you know, the MLR side in Austin, they are, they were, you know, the Hun part of the Hun organization. Um, and, and that kind of changed a lot you know, for you guys in the Huns organization. Um, kind of to wrap things up, I really want to talk to you about what, what it meant when they kind of separated going into, I believe, 2017. I have to remind me my dates are kind of messed up right now. Well, the, uh, the championship was, was the spring 
summer of 17. 17. That's right. That's right. It was a 16, 17 season going into 17 for the championship. Yeah. Um, and a lot of guys, there were a lot of core huns that participated in that. And, and some outside players were brought in and, and that group of, of gentlemen that led that exercise also uh, competed against the Raptors and, and a Utah development professional side. And I think maybe new Orleans to try and be the in between, you know, uh, 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 what do they call it? Test match season between the yeah. old professional league and MLR and the Huns competed in, in USA rugby and won the national championship, the Huns rugby club. And when they competed in these test matches, it was a, it was called Huns elite. Yeah. And so after that, you know, the Huns Rugby Club wanted to protect our brand and our culture, and we couldn't quite get on the same page. So the Huns Rugby Club decided not to, to go forward into MLR, and Austin Elite Rugby did. Yeah. And hats off to them. They were the, the precursors of what are now the Gilgronies. And <laughs> Still working we, on that name. <laughs> well, it, it is an interesting name, but... It's Australian. Australians like to have fun. And and I think that's what they're trying to do with the professional team right now is they get their foreign players in and they get used to a new coach is just, is just have some fun. Uh, We had a tough year in 18 and, and decided to dig in and focus on our culture. And, um, you know, our players voted to stay in division one. And, you know, we've been focusing on running a business of rugby and recruiting and, you know, staying true to our, our, our culture, try to plan at a little bit of a higher level. And, you know, big hats off to three guys, Chris Hansel Johansson. Um, Hansen is, has been our chairman. He's our immediate past chairman, and he kind of righted the ship for us organizationally. Luis Sanchez, a former Hun. All these guys are former great Huns players. Ansel was a seven and captain for probably a decade. Luis was a 10 and he's our director of rugby also coaches the Valkyries. Also and a Hall of Fame member. Yeah. And Adam <laughs> Scheidler, Adam Scheidler was a nine for the Huns for years and came back to us a few years ago as a coach. And we've really tried to have consistent coaching, a stable pattern, recruiting off of our sevens program in the summer, we the kids that stayed with us um, are, are helping us, you know, continue to energize and build a young a D1 side because this is a young man's game. As much as you can get youth in there, it's a good thing. And these three gentlemen, Hansel, Luis, and Adam, are really the core of us having rebuilt from, I think it was one win and two ties in 2018 last year. Uh, we were six and four, if I'm not mistaken, in D1 and had positive records uh, just above 500 in D2 and D3. And, you know, this year, uh, D1's four and one. Uh, D2 has won two games in a row is two and three. And D3 on the table is six and two. So yeah. we're continuing to rebuild around our community, our culture, our rugby with these three guys, Adam, Luis, and Hansel, giving us a really strong foundation to grow from. 
Yeah. And, and I think it's, you know, you know, in Austin, there's no denying that there was some tension between the two organizations. Um, I've talked about it with people. I've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, and I think it's, you know, there, there, there has been some great gestures and in great movements, uh, in the past couple months, uh, since Andrew Saniola came in, um, as kind of in the, in the coaching role. And since the organization really had started focusing on trying to build bridges again. And so, you know, I hope that it continues. I love seeing players like JP Novak uh, get the opportunity at 39. Um, rock solid for JP. I love the fact that he was out there playing that first game of the season, getting his first MLR cap. And, you know, at 39 years old, that's that, that's pretty f- phenomenal. That's and, ridiculous. It really, it <laughs> really is incredible. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, he, he was battling, man. I, I love it. But, you know, I, I think it's important. I think that the it needs to start from the top down and bottom up. And that's where everybody kind of meets in. We start at the youth, we get the, the MLR side and all the good things that have been discussed with this new ownership um, for the Gilgronies uh, is, is exciting to hear what they can do to hopefully help support local youth organizations like the Huns. And I, I hope it, I hope it comes to fruition. Obviously we're still only about what, four weeks in from the announcement that they purchased the team. So uh, not even a month or so, we're about a month or so out and, and hopefully that continues. Hopefully the, uh, uh, the, the goodwill towards everybody continues and the support continues from, from the top to the bottom. That's for sure. Andrew Suniola has been a breath of fresh air. He's a steward of the game of rugby. When you talk to him, it's like you're talking to one of the guys, not some eagle elitist or anything like that. He's a very regular guy, just wants to help. Todd Clever's made a big difference. Uh, behind the scenes, uh, I think Paul Santanelli, we need to tip our hat to him, even though he's going to be a forgotten name in this whole thing. Uh, Brett Simmons, I have not met the gentleman, but I've heard him speak a couple of times. I think we need to give these guys time and be patient. They're bringing in a new pattern. They're bringing in a lot of new players that don't have their visas yet. I see a lot of fight in this team already. By the way, Mason Peterson is my uh-huh. hero for that tackle <laughs> that hit. on Road. <laughs> I'll talk about that later. We talk about the MLR side, side but holy moly. And if, if you noticed on Twitter, uh, and I'll, this is great, I'll try to post a link to it. Um, the, the Gilgroni social media page said, welcome to MLR, Mar- uh, Bastero. And he wrote back and he said, I, he said, that was an amazing hit that really woke me up. And so, uh, and good you know, that, for Mason Peterson, for who's Mason, the man. from our national oh. championship team. I mean, yeah. that was awesome to see. And, and listen, he, he got, he got the, you know, basically he was t- tight head of the week at, at number three for MLR because he scored a try, had that hit some dominating tackles. So there you go. A hun you know, from the national championship side, working his way up to the MLR side. And a great you know, guy. A I, drove, great I drove Mason and um, some other guys in my car to the after championship social and got a chance to just talk to him and get to know him a little bit. And a, a very, very respectful, fun guy that, that, you know, you, you'd love to have as a, as a kid. I mean, as, as a guy that's in his sixties <laughs> that has children older than him, I was very impressed with him as a young man. And I was really happy to see him do well on Saturday. Yep. It was great. Well, we appreciate the time, Bill. I appreciate you talking a little bit about Huns and what's been going on. We will, uh, if Alex continues to do his work with uh, the MLR side, we'll, we'll have to bring you back on because 
Uh, I can't let him get all the glory over there, you know, talking Hun stuff and then going and playing MLR. So, uh, but we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time. Hopefully we can have you back sometime soon. Preston, thanks for having me. I love talking about rugby. I appreciate what you're doing. Good luck to you. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. Bill Overton, everybody. All right, for our second guest this week, we talked about him just a few minutes ago. Um, I, I alluded to bringing Mr. Justin Hale back on from Orc, the other rugby club, Pflugerville and Round Rock's finest group of hooligans. Uh, Justin, how's it going, man? <laughs> yeah, it's going well. How you doing, brother? Oh, man, it's busy. We're trying to get a lot of stuff. Now that everybody is in full swing from D1 to D3, Women and an MLR side, man, we're podcast is full of I know. Uh, full of excitement. So, and every division wanna, is interesting this year. Uh, it's it <laughs> is like every single level. Uh, we just got done talking with Bill Overton, with the Huns. Um, we 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 decided not to let Alex Reese come back on because. <laughs> Well, not that we don't want him to come back on, but he's playing MLR side. So he's yeah, getting all yeah. kinds of credit right now in different yeah. levels. But uh, <laughs> what we wanted to do is we want to catch up with Orc. What's been going on with you guys the past couple of weeks? I, I feel like it's been a little while since we chatted. Um, I was out last week sick as <laughs> as somebody as somebody's already talked about. But um, what's going on with Orc? What's been good? What's been not bad, but you know, what are, what's the status of you guys? Yeah, man, we're still uh, sitting strong and in, in third place in um in, in the toughest in the, in the toughest of D3, D3 Central. Uh, yep. Everybody noticed the toughest side. <laughs> everybody knows um, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having a good time since we last spoke. We've gone two and one and we got one more game. Or right, one more game. We have three more games this season. But uh, our next game against Alamo this Saturday. So we've been having a good time. Guys playing some, some great rugby. So I, I can't complain too much. Yeah, you guys, I mean, you know, um, you know, it's kind of great, but I was going to talk about it with, with you, but, but Bill kind of alluded to it. You guys are putting up some points in some of these games, man, like 58 to 32, uh, you know, against Corpus Christi on the 18th. Um, man, how was that game? <laughs> yeah, man, it was a try scoring fest. Well, luckily we didn't even make, we missed most of our conversions. It was actually, if we would have made all our conversions, <laughs> it was actually a 70 something point game. I think we made like three conversions, 11 oh, tries man. that game. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, you we had 10 or 11. No, you know, I, I, I <laughs> you, you know, I'm, I'm, believe it or not, I don't really want to play. Um, <laughs> I think we talked about that last yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> and but you know, you're a new club, and you do what you have to do. And so, whenever, whenever I have the opportunity, I'm I'm gonna let other guys um, take over those responsibilities and get their experience because you can't get experience without having experience. <laughs> so, yeah, no, for sure, uh, I, I completely understand. You know, you know we, and we talked about this the last time you were on. You know, the, the team is growing. Um, you know, you're trying to get a bunch of guys out to practice. What's been the numbers? Have you guys been pretty consistent with your numbers? Yeah, and, we've been more consistent lately. I, well, we're, we're sitting right now about 12, 13 guys at practice uh, every week, which is which is much, much better. Obviously, we still love to get, you know, to that 20, 25 number. But yeah. Um, but I can tell you just from experience, you know, playing with a large club, uh, heck, even when I was playing uh, for the Hunt with when we had 115 SIP players, we yeah. still only averaged 30 to 40 at practice. <laughs> so, where the, where those players go? yeah. And, 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 you know, that's the top two largest club in the nation. Um, 
So, you know, with us sitting at 13, I can't, I can't complain. I can complain. Uh, actually, I can't complain. So we're no looking to get better. Now, right? right. Right. Cause everybody has those issues. So it's, it's nothing, you know, uh, single to us. Yeah. So, you know, you, like you said, you're, you played, you played nine games right now in your first season of, uh, you know, excuse, I'm sorry, I hit my microphone there in your first season of, of D3 here. And, and really one of the, the harder you know, D3 conferences in the country, um, here in the central for central Texas region. Um, you know, you know, four and five, um, you're doing well. I mean, 22 points. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty solid for you guys. You, you feel pretty good about the way that the, the team has been playing and the way that things have gone for you in your first season. Yeah, I can't complain. Other than, you know, that, that five, one of them is based on the technical forfeit. So we really <laughs> would be sitting, you know, five and four and, and 27, 28 points, uh, which would be a lot better. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's first year. And so, you know, you, you get to learn some things. It's kind of like starting a new business. You rather everything go wrong up front than uh, then is when it's really, really important. So, uh, you know, getting some growing pains, but I'm, I'm happy with my guys and my, they're, they're learning rugby, um, and they're enjoying rugby and especially my guys who, who haven't played for a couple of years or coming from different teams and teams mm-hmm. where they weren't getting as much time. And now they're getting a lot more time. Um, I had one of my players, we played one of his old clubs and, and they were like, man, he's looking like a D2 player. And this is a player who used to come off the bench for them in D3. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> my, you know, my guys are really stepping up and, and, and they're taking on the challenge and, and they're loving the game. So uh, whenever you get guys to start loving the sport again, um, you, you're doing something right. Yeah, exactly. Have you found that, you know, in the, you know, the Pflugerville Round Rock area that you've been able to connect with more of the community recently, um, you know, people out to the games, fans out to the games, et cetera. Um, yes. or, or still, still kind of rough, you know, rough going being, you know, the first year for you guys. At Round I mean, Rock. we, we, we probably are, our whole mantra is we try to have a family atmosphere. So, so, you know, a lot of my guys have girlfriends or engaged or have wives. So we get a lot of our, a lot of kids too. We have a lot of kids across the team. <laughs> so we probably, we normally have probably, you know, 30, you know, about 30 people at the, at the game, about one or two per player, uh, which we're, you know, we're happy with. We're not, you know, we're not playing anywhere that's going to hold 200 people anyway. Um, and so, uh, the fans that are out there. We're, we're extremely happy with, um, if more come out, you know, it is what it is. We start, you know, we started getting more of like the round rock high school guys. Cause we play touch with them. So then they come out to games and get to see the fast pace, uh, that we play and, and the excitement of rugby that we play. So, um, we're, we're happy with our crowd right now. Yeah. Hey, you know, kind of talking about, you know, the fast pace and that style you play, how would you guys define like your style? Um, you know, as you play, like a lot of teams, you know, again, every team plays a little bit different style. The blacks play yeah. a certain way. Huns play a certain way. What is the orc style of play that, that you try to instill in your team? Um, high, high pace. Uh, we, so, so the patterns run, we actually started the season at a two, four, two pattern. And now, uh, I'm teaching my guys one, three, three, one. Um, but pretty much everybody runs a one, three, three, one. And so that's not really what differentiates you. Uh, for me, it's, it's guys knowing the laws and know, knowing how to play within the laws and being able to play at a, uh, play at a high pace. While at the same time, I'm, I'm really big on forwards, um, understanding the game because, you know, as you and I know, forwards are, are, are a huge part of the game. Uh, not just scrums yeah, and everything like that, but just 
the the amount of touches a Ford gets, it, you know, it can be right up there with your nine and your ten. Um, yeah. And so um, for me, I'm I'm really big on my Fords, understanding the game, understanding uh, running lines, uh, understanding su- support, uh, and then across the board, you know, my guys understanding what's happening in different situations, you know, things that you don't typically learn until you're three or four years in, I'm, I'm teaching off the back, you know, why, why are we doing a quick line out right here or a quick throw in versus waiting for the other team to set up? What are we looking for them to do? Uh, why is it a good time to poach in this area or, or not poach in this area, you know, mm-hmm. um, or even understanding, you know, why they're doing stuff wrong is a lot of times, uh, especially younger players, they get in trouble for things and, and nobody sits and explains it to them. And whereas we take, um, you know, every week we take out some time to, Hey, let's just answer questions. Hey, you know, coach, I did this and this. I don't understand why. And this is why. And so now it's funny when we go to uh, when refs are, are refing us now, you know, you hear it's good and bad because compla- players start complaining <laughs> about things. They're like, sir, this and this, this, this happened. And the refs are like, God damn it. Oh, excuse me. God damn. Um, it's okay. We're, we have the expletive on okay. the... Uh, the podcast for those those instances uh, where we, we all slip up. <laughs> they're, they're like, God dang it, stop teaching them laws. I'm like, it helps you understand the game better. So, but in short, we play a fast pace, a, a, a fast paced game. We're looking to to make the other team make mistakes and then capitalize quickly on those mistakes. To give you a big example, we don't kick penalty kicks. Uh, <laughs> we don't go, we don't go for penalty kicks, especially uh for those conversions and uh, <laughs> the failed conversions. Like yeah, yeah maybe, but you know, it's like when we're inside the 15, you know, 15 22 and and you got momentum, I want my guys to to to, to squat them. I mean, we 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 have a high scoring rate inside the 22, a really high scoring rate inside the 22. And so I'd rather take the five all day instead of the three. And this is one of those things where, you know, you, your guys don't take a penalty kick in and you're able to, to run it down somebody's throat. It, it gives your team a, a, a lot of happiness <laughs> for the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It also helps, you know, kind of going back to what you're saying about, you know, teaching them the laws also helps when, you know, their coach is also a certified referee and is a, and is a backup for MLR matches. <laughs> so. I'm, I, well, I'm like a backup to the backups to the backups. I think about four people have to get hurt before, <laughs> before I would have to step up. And so. I really can't think of a time <laughs> that I've ever watched a match where uh, two more than one referee has gone down. Right. <laughs> be taken out. So. so, well, so, you know, let's, you know, real quick touch about, you know, what you got coming up. I know last week you, you tried, Traveled down to McAllen and yeah. man, that, that tough one. Um, you know, three point loss to them. Um, but you know, this week you, you're hosting Alamo City. What's what's that looking like for you this week? Yeah, man, I, I, I fully expect my my boys to come out with the win. Last time we played um, Alamo, uh, we played Alamo and Alamo, and and we lost by ten. Uh, but that's the game we also played. I think it was our second game of the year or so. Uh, and I, we traveled with San Antonio with 12, 12, 13 guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, I, and I remember, I remember you telling yeah, me about that one. <laughs> yeah. And, and lost by 10 with, with that little, uh, now my guys have a lot more experience. Um, they understand the game a lot more. My, my, my new guys, uh, aren't as new anymore. And so, you know, they know what a ruck is and they know how to place a ball down, uh, <laughs> which makes, you know, which makes it huge. As a matter of fact, one of my newest players who whose first game was actually Alamo City, which is player of the match for the McAllen match. 
There you go, man. That's so they're 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 picking up really fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So well, that's great. So um, you know, this game, Alamo City, you are at home. Um, Remind everybody listening where you guys play again on this match because I know you do kind of alternate on where you're playing sometimes. Yeah. So what is this game going to be? Yeah. So luckily, this fall, all our home games are now going to be in the in the same spot. Uh, but it's Piffing Park, and it's P. It's 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 Flukerville. Yeah. The Puff yes. Lugerville. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's spelled it's a, weird. So but, it's uh, P-F-L Pliffin? So it's like P-F, uh, P-F-E-I-N-G or something like that. We'll post it online and just uh, that way people don't have to worry about trying to spell it. Yeah, and it's on our event page at Other Rugby Club and on, on our Facebook page and it'll be posted to our uh, to our um, Instagram. Yep. And so you've, you've got this match and uh, coming up on the 22nd and then how many more Yeah, how many what, more matches to close two, out the season? Two, two more, three more, two more, two more. We have the Blacks on March 14th and then we'll um, and that's another home game for us. And then uh, Corpus Christi Crabs in uh, Corpus Christi to close out the season. All right, man. Well, we'll um, we'll keep up to date with everything going on with the other rugby club. Um, touch base here in a couple of weeks. Maybe we'll, we'll try to get in touch with you before the uh, the Blacks match, since that's just, you know March fourteenth. So you get a little bit of a gap there. So you're off for uh, for two weeks here coming up. Um, is, is it a well-deserved break after the, after this week or kind, yeah, of, well, kind of spread out for you? Well, yeah, well, um, we were the only team in the TRU that played eight weeks in a row. So <laughs> a, a couple of breaks are, are, are nice right now. Um, and so, yeah, it must deserved. I, you know, I don't know about deserved. Uh, <laughs> my guys want to play every weekend. Now, once you play eight weeks in a row, you kind of get used to playing. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're like, all right, we want to keep going. Let's do yeah, this, just so. keep keep the momentum going. Well, that's awesome. Hey, man, really appreciate you coming on and chatting a little bit, keeping us up to date with everything going on at the Orcs. Um, good luck this weekend, Tanda. You know, you can you, you can get out to to, to Piffin. Pippin, is that the name of it? Piffin Park. I, I is Piffin Lane is Piffin Lane, Piffin Lane Park, Piffin Park Lane. Piffin Lane. I like Pippin. it. I like it. We get out there watch it work at one o'clock, man. If you guys have a chance, go out and check them out. Yeah, Justin it's moved Hale, to two. Move to two. Move oh, to two. two. Ooh, yeah, good. yeah. We got to update the system. Got to got to get that fixed. Move to yeah. two o'clock this Saturday. Piffin Lane. Orc versus Alamo City looking for uh, looking for a little redemption. Uh, yeah, yeah. So. All right, Justin Hale, appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you, Dustin. Take it easy. Well, it's been... A couple weeks since the Austin Gilgronies have been established, since the ownership has changed, and since a new head of rugby has come on. And so this week we wanted to bring on that head of rugby. We've got longtime AFL player and rugby skills coach Mick Byrne joining us on the podcast today. Mick, how you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's been, it's been an exciting couple of weeks, yeah? <laughs> it's, been, <laughs> it's been a challenging couple of weeks, but it's definitely been exciting. Yeah. Uh, it's a great opportunity for for the club to you know give give uh, you know give the fans etc 
a taste of what the new new looking Gilgronis can play. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it really has been kind of kind of a whirlwind for for you, for the team, for the fans, kind of for those people who don't know um, who you are in the world of rugby, and for those that listen around the world are more familiar with you and your credentials. Um, if you can give kind of a high level background of who you are outside of your uh, Aussie rules days, which is where you started off playing yeah, when you were yeah. a young lad, um, what, what's been your involvement with with the rugby? union style of play and where you're at now? Yeah, I think it's uh, one of the things that's always asked is about Aussie rules, but I actually grew up playing rugby. I grew up playing rugby and rugby league in Sydney. Mm-hmm. Uh, switched over to Aussie rules in my last year of school because, because of the, my my build and I chose Aussie rules as a professional career. I didn't think I'd make it. You know, I'd only been playing a year, but I ended up playing for 15 years professionally. <laughs> Uh, but I came from Sydney. So um, towards the end of my career, I moved back to Sydney and I got back involved in rugby and rugby league. And uh, while while still coaching a professional team in Aussie rules, uh, I started doing a little bit of consulting work into rugby and rugby league in the, some of the crossover skills area and then just grew that role and, and finished up in Scotland full-time in 2002. From there, I was uh, recruited into the all-black environment in 2005 uh, spent 11 years there um, and then moved over back home to Australia and moved into the Wallabies environment up until the last World Cup. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, you know, in, in short, I've, I've had probably, um, you know, close to 20, uh, what is it now, 20-odd you know, years in, in coaching in rugby. In coaching rugby. How has that been from going uh, as an Australian going down and helping out the Kiwis um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and their skills? Well, it was, um, you know, from a professional point of view, it was um, unbelievable for me and development personally and, and professionally. But the initial, the initial uh, Australian-New Zealand they only ever come together when they're on the other side of the world. When they're in the same parts of the world, they're not they're not great friends. <laughs> so uh, being in New Zealand as an Australian, especially as an Australian coach in the All Black environment, it was challenging for those outside of the environment for the first couple of years, questioning why it was needed. But um, I think you know inside the environment, it was uh, it was certainly I was embraced fully by all the, all the staff and the players, and we we, we ended up forging. Uh, strong relationships and friendships there that will last uh, last a lifetime. Yeah, I, and I think that that's that's really important. We talk about kind of the growth of rugby here in the U.S. Um, it's for me. I I see it's not just the New Zealand and Australian side, but it's also the English and the South Africans and the, you know, Southern hemisphere, the South Americans from, you know, Brazil and Chile and Argentina all coming up here to the U S feels as though MLR and USA rugby is starting to be this melting pot of all these different rugby nations coming together. Yeah. I think that's a strength and a weakness. Um, I think it's a strength to build. I think we've got to be careful. The threat there is that um, we sustain, we try and sustain a competition from a global recruitment program, I think it's really important that we we uh, to make this competition sustainable and grow. It has to grow from within. So we need to be bringing in um, young American uh, rugby players or young American crossover athletes, mm-hmm. teaching them the game at an early age. Or yeah, you know, it's, it's not impossible to get a a nineteen or twenty year old that's never played the game, but is a, is a a crossover athlete, it's not impossible to get them playing rugby within 12 months yeah. and playing good rugby. So it's important that we, 
we build the the growth of of the MLR has to come from within within uh, America. Yeah, so let, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, so you talk about some of the crossover athletes. You know, we've got a perfect example with Domikina, who was a football player. He did play college rugby as well. But what do you look for as as a skills coach, as a you know head of rugby? What do you look for in those crossover athletes who? may be interested in, you know, they're not going to make it in the NFL or not going to make it to high level professional football or other sports to come into rugby. What kind of attributes are you looking for in those athletes? Well, because rugby um, is a game for all shapes and sizes, um, we, we just, we're just looking for guys that are actually developing athletes. If you get to 18 or 19 years of age, you, you the, the, one of the problems that, that can happen in rugby is at training age. So how long have you been actually training? And what I've found is a lot of the crossover athletes have been in good training programs for a number of years. So mm-hmm. a 19 or 20-year-old um, crossover athlete is probably better conditioned and a better physical athlete than a lot of the guys that have been just playing sort of through amateur rugby and even rugby programs elsewhere in the world because of the nature of the development of those athletes. Yeah. Then it's a matter of just looking at those athletes' ability to get across the ground, have a, have a, um, a reasonable skill set, um, you know, whether they're, they're um, 125 kilos and, and, you know, five foot 11, six foot, we might, you know, they could be a prop, whether they're six foot eight and 118 kilos, you know, they could go to lock and, you know, the six foot four sort of, you know, 110, 112 kilo players and number eights, even down to the, you know, five foot 10, 85 kilo guys, you know, <laughs> we, we can, we can fit them into the field of rugby. What we're probably looking for is, is athletes that are, um, are capable of getting across the ground, and and I guess the other side of it is you know willing to willing to expose themselves to something new and, and exciting, and and again it's really a it, it, this in America this could become the second tackle sport. Obviously, rugby guys would like to see it as the the number one tackle sport, but yeah. I think <laughs> we might be biting off a little bit more that we can chew there. Yeah, we, we've got a, we've got a little ways to go before we can compete with <laughs> yes. the NFL there. So. But you know, there's a, I've been around to some of the colleges here, and I've, this is about my fifth trip into into the states re, regarding rugby. And um, and you look at um, Don McKenna and you know they're playing rugby at college, and they obviously they're pursuing NFL because like. Like all young um, athletes want to get to the top of the game in the NFL. It's like in Melbourne, all young players grow up wanting to play AFL footy, and in New Zealand, all the young players want to grow up and, and be an All Black. So, but it's, at some stage in their careers, there's an op- there's an opportunity for them to look at rugby and and view that as a career as well. And um, we all know the numbers, and I don't need to quote the numbers to you about the number of athletes playing NFL that make it to the top. So. Yeah. There's a there's a large number of athletes that that we can encourage into rugby without even competing with with the NFL, <laughs> um, and we can get those guys playing rugby. Give them a, another tackle sport because they, they've they've chosen a tackle sport, and we can give them that which is going to allow them to pursue their passion in, in their sport. Yeah, and, and I think that that's really important. Is we talk about, you know, when I travel around the world and stuff, I've been exposed to people saying, well how big is the state of Texas? Well, the state of Texas is, is massive. And, you know, we, we joked how many Switzerland's or New Zealand's can fit into the state of Texas. Yeah. It's quite a few. I have a six Switzerland's and like five and a half New Zealand's can fit yeah. inside the state of Texas. Yeah. You know, and that's just Texas and it's one part of it. And all, you take all the athletes in just Texas 
and you, know, you could put together a very strong team. If none of them decide to play in the NFL or go into the NFL, you take all those high level athletes and bring them into rugby. You have a formidable side um, of just pure athletes. Then you start instructing them and moving forward with their skills and it changes the way that we approach rugby in the U S. So yeah, I yeah. definitely agree with you on that one from the, yeah. uh, and I think the challenge first. is resourcing that program, yeah. you know, uh, you know, the, you, you're right about that. It's, um, you know, we just looked at the, you know, the size of Australia and the States is very similar. Yeah. Um, and that, that, uh, and I hadn't realized that until someone drew a, uh, superimposed the map of Australia over the map of, uh, of the USA in relationship to the fires in Australia and, mm-hmm. and showed you basically where those fires were in Australia was right down the east coast. There was some in the west, but they basically went the whole east coast of America would, would have been on fire, yeah, which was similar to what was happening in, in Australia. So we know Australia is a large country, but Australia has four sports of which, you know, professional sports that, that young players can make a full-time career out of mm-hmm. um, in tackle sports, you know, so they can choose to be, you know, in, in a tackle sport and, and make a career. But it's still a challenge for Australian rugby is resourcing all those players. Sure. Um, in New Zealand, being a, a smaller country, it's a lot easier. Um, it's still a challenge to resource, but it's a lot easier to get from the, the one of the major playing centres uh, the largest playing centre of, you know, if we look at the super rugby teams, Auckland down to the Highlanders, mm-hmm. it's a couple, you know, it's a two and a half hour flight. So you can get the whole, basically, you can get right across the whole professional game in New Zealand in two and a half hours. So, yeah. you know, if you resource it properly, you're going to be able to get the best. And that's our challenge, resourcing yeah. that. And, and and it's, it's you know, the bigger, obviously the bigger, more opportunity, but the bigger, the greater resource. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a challenge. Yeah. And I said the, the bigger, the bigger, the, the resources, the harder it is to kind of corral all that into one. Oh, absolutely. One spot. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been a challenge for USA rugby for quite some time is yeah. how do you take an, an enormous country like the United States and kind of bring everybody into one sort of organization? You know, that's really why major league rugby shifted into two conferences this year yeah. was because to fly from, you know, say San Diego to go play New York, it's a five and a half hour flight and a five and a half, six yeah. hour flight. So that's a long flight to get up there and take an entire team and organization. So I totally get why they did that. So what I'd like to do is, you know, just talk about us now talk about the Austin Gilgrove, yeah, talk great. about the exciting, exciting things that have happened there. You know, I think one of the things that a lot of listeners would like to know are, you know, what are the major shifts that have already happened in the, in the three weeks that you've been here? You know, the changes that have happened, you know, if we follow on social media, the Round Rock office is, you know, not the office anymore. It's turned into a training facility. People have moved down to Coda. What are some other things kind of behind the scenes that you're able to talk about that have been some, some major shifts for you and forming what this organization and team will look like moving forward? Yeah, it's um, well. Where do you start? Um, <laughs> we, you, you know, know we don't. Uh, have, we got a couple hours to yeah, talk no, if you want. <laughs> that's all positive. It's just there's so many good things happening. Uh, yeah, one of the one of the first um, one of the first decisions was made to move the administrative staff down to Coda, and you know, Coda the Coda opportunity is is immense, and that's a that's a whole two hour podcast in itself. You know, that's uh, <laughs> what's going on down there is brilliant, and. You know, we're just so um, thankful for the opportunity that the code has presented us with. Uh, so that, what that's meant is that, that the rugby uh, staff have stayed up here, uh, which has given us a good streamlined approach. Uh, we've, we're building our gym in on site. Yeah. Um, the boys have been loving that. That's been coming in over the last week. 
Um, it's exciting to see all that new equipment too. Yeah. And there's a lot it's of cool stuff. Be, um, and I, I don't say this uh, flippantly, this is going to be one of the, the, the best rugby gyms in, in world rugby that I've ever worked in anyway. Uh, because of the facility. I mean, it's it's 18 square metres, so if we had another 10 square metres on it, we, we'd, we'd compete with, with the best gyms in the world. But at 18 square metres and uh, the equipment that's going to be coming in here over the next uh, 24 to 48 hours and what's gone on in that room out the back is enormous and the players have – have been, uh, you know, we had Mason. Uh, he was, uh, he's got his forklift license, so he was clearing out all the stuff. And <laughs> the boys have been building equipment, and uh, it's been fantastic what's been going on out there. So that's that's really positive. We're bringing uh, the high performance center into our into our own building. Um, we're training down the road, so it was really important that we, when we came in here, that we didn't just up and take everybody somewhere else. We, we want to build a home here. Mm-hmm. Um, Coda's going to be built and when that gets done, we'll, we'll all move down there because that's going to be a world-class facility. Yeah. Um, right now we'll have a world-class gym in this facility here. The players are, are all living around this area. They can come in here to train in their own time. At the moment, it's been great to be able to share, you know, Gold's gym, but, uh, you know, you're fitting in with their programming. Now we're able to get in our own. Uh, we've got the you know, the Round Rock multi-purpose complex has been great for us as well. Uh, so we're we're, we're actually we're, we're building a really really good facility here, and that's exciting. Uh, working on the field, it's been you know it's been a challenge. Uh, we've still got guys that are uh, that are part time, so we're working around those hours, and and we've had to make some commitments there, and the boys have really bought into that. So um, it's been. It's been three weeks, uh, just sort of working through the processes, uh, getting into the coaches, making sure that all the players understand what's expected from them mm-hmm. and, and where we're going to go with this program. So part of that's getting fitter, more skillful, getting stronger um, because uh, that's the sort of program we're going to build here. Yeah. And, you know, kind of touching on that a little bit, you talk about you know, players coming in. We talked a little bit about it beforehand. Obviously, all these announcements happen for different teams around the league, you know, even for Colorado, like DiBioni and, you know, some of the other players. Um, even, you know, we, we announced Frank a couple months ago and he finally just comes in, what, this week or something like that. Yeah. You know, how does that for you as kind of the head of rugby, how does that shape the way you kind of work with the team and everything else, knowing that there, there are still players, you know, to come and join us. Um, you know, the, the rumors again, not officially announced from the team with Adam Ashley Cooper coming and playing. Um, I think last I saw he was actually still playing in Japan, I believe, but you know, how does that kind of, how does that affect you and the mindset and how you organize the team? Like, I know you have to deal with the players you have right now and that's what you work with. What does that look like moving forward in the shape of the organization and the, and the team itself? Well, we, we just get on with what we've got here and work with here. Um, it's been an interesting few weeks for me to get up to speed with um, the protocols of visas and, and how it all works. and <laughs> A nightmare um, in the U.S. actually. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think that – and that's fair enough too. Like, you, you know, to come here and, and work, you you know, you need to protect your, your, your countries. I, I understand that process. Understanding what that process is though is, is different and so that's what's been um, probably – spending a lot of time over the last couple of weeks getting familiar with that. A lot of the, the players that are currently coming were, were part of the previous um, regime uh, of, of signing. So mm-hmm. that, that process, the paperwork 
process was done before that. So there's a uh, an announcement players are coming. Um, I certainly was aware when I came in here that the players that were coming um, and then we're finding out where they're at and they've got another meeting here and another meeting there, which is all good. Um, but we, we're not sitting here waiting for players to come in. We're getting on yeah. with it. And when those players come here, they'll fit in with what we've built here. And yeah. they've done that. Both the, you know, Jamie's arrived and, and Frank's arrived and straight away they're like, they're fitting in with, with what's already here. Yeah. You know, we've just come away from a meeting this morning and they both contributed like they've been here since since the start. Yeah. So they're, they're both high-quality guys. I've, I've known both of them. I've coached both of them back in yeah. New Zealand. So uh, I'm really pleased that they're here. But when these players come in, we're not waiting for them. Yeah. And, I, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. We're not we're not saying, oh, when does he arrive? When does he arrive? We're just we're getting on and we're, we're developing as a team. We're developing players within the group. And when these guys come, if they fit in and they work within the group and they prove themselves to be the players that we expect them to be, then they'll be great players for the Gilgronies. Yeah, and I, and I think that's that's really important to for for people listening to understand is, you know, yes, there are players that have to come, and we're not the only team in the league that deals with all of these issues. You can see it all over, you know, the Reddit pages and whatnot. But it's important for us to say you know, we have, you know, we've got great players, you know, the fact that Jamie and Frank have come in that gives years of experience. And I think that's one of the most important things, you know, we've got players that have played for a while. Um, last year, I think we had one of the youngest teams in the league this year, um, you know, a little bit older, more experienced, but to have that rugby knowledge, to have that experience is, is extremely important for us to, to understand what they bring to a team in an organization, you know, to have, you know, Jamie who's played, you know, again, both all blacks, they've both, you know, played at Poe, they both played you know, Jamie played in, the, in professional rugby here in the U.S., which was you know, it's kind of kind of nice to see him link up with with Roland and Chris Shade again since they played at the Ohio Aviators. But there's already this I, I feel as though there's already this connection with those guys coming in, and I think that helps out quite a bit, you know, for the organization. Absolutely, and and we've been working hard on on that the, that that word connection. We've been working hard on what that looks like. Um, people use a lot of words. In, in professional sport and, you know, the coaches and captains tend to be able to use some really good words that say nothing really when they, <laughs> when they get interviewed, but that's just part of the nature of the game. Uh, but we've we've been working really hard on, on connections and what that actually looks like here and we've got a really good, uh, a clear understanding of what behaviours are expected here and what they look like. Um, and with Jamie coming in, um, from the forward pack perspective, he can he can add a lot of experience there, and we, you know just from the point of view of when things aren't working for you out on the field, that's where your experience and your composure comes in to to get focused back on the next job because inexperienced or you know players that aren't quite on top of their game at times start worrying about what's just happened rather than what's about to happen, and, and exp- that's where experience can help refocus. And I really like what what Jamie's already done in that area at training. Uh, Frank's been in. He'll do the same thing with the back. So there's two really good experienced players that are going to help with the the use or the the inexperience around our team, especially when things aren't going well. We saw the second half against um, uh, New York last week, where when we get our game going, we can actually we can actually play some decent rugby. Yeah. But uh, just the inexperience means when things aren't going well for us, where we're not. We're looking at each other for an answer. Well, we've we've just brought in two guys that have got the answers. Um, they'll they'll contribute in that area. That'll give confidence to the others around. And um, you know, I'm looking forward to to their contribution both on and off the field. Yeah. So let's. Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about 
the previous, you know, the first two games of the season. Um, and in that first game of the season, you know, Toronto, uh, we talked about it in the pocket. They're a tough team. I mean, they really, they're, you know, you've got 11 Canadian international players on the team. You've got, you know, 26 returning players on that organization. Um, you know, they have a nice cohesive unit, you know, for us, we're kind of working through building people in, bringing new guys in. Um, and then against New York, Again, another ex- experience side, but you saw in the second half, um, you know, the last probably 20 minutes of that first game against Toronto and the second half for us against New York, you saw the, the style and you saw the, the, the heart that the team had to go out there and play and put up, you know, 31 odd points. Um, what is it? What's the play been like for you? Um, how you've been feeling about the way we've been playing and, you know, the first half to the second half and the differentiation that we've had in each one of those games, whereas feels, I feel is like the first half, we've kind of been a little bit sluggish and a little bit slow to get off the blocks. Uh, you know, giving up tries in the first two minutes of pretty much both games is a, it's, it's hard to get on the front foot when you're already on the back foot that early. Um, what's your approach in kind of changing that mindset for this week against, uh, against uh, Utah, excuse me. Well, yeah, and, uh, we had, both both times we started slow, but you know against the the arrows in the first game, you know, they kick off to us. We you know, we're into the wind. We secure the ball. We we clear clear the touchline, and we win their line out. Uh, yeah. So we actually did what we needed to do, but then the bouncing ball we didn't kill it. You know we we didn't have the urgency on the smaller parts of the game, uh, the little parts of the game to actually. Uh, deliver, you know that ball bounced around a few times, and around two or three of our players, we the little things are, are what make a difference, you know. And they're the, if we just killed that ball there, set up another ruck and cleared again, we had another crack at beating their lineouts. A completely different start to the game. So, uh, but we didn't, you know. And that's what we've got to learn. We didn't do that. It cost us. It cost us seven points, and then you know we we work away, get another seven, and we finally get ourselves going. And against. Um, um, uh, we, you know, like, like, like probably, probably last last week against New York when we started, uh, we were sort of okay. Then we're seven down, and we were seven down for quite a while. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, bang, bang, we're twenty one down. Um, and then we came in at half time, and the, the chat from the boys was, we we're not doing what we know we can do. We've just got to go and do it. And I think that's the the inexperience and confidence to come out and play like you have that attitude when you're behind and you feel like well, we've got nothing to lose or doesn't, you know, let, let's just go and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we play great footy. It's not a, oh, we've got nothing to lose attitude, but sometimes when you've got that, you express yourself and you play with that freedom. And that's what our challenges are here as leaders of the group is to give the players the confidence to be like that from the start and just go out and, and play with that. And things aren't always going to work for you. And I think sometimes – some of our guys are looking to not make mistakes yeah. rather than just go out there and play. Mistakes are going to be part of the game and accept that you make a mistake, move on to the next thing. And we've discussed that and I think we'll we'll see our boys come out tomorrow and, and look to express themselves right from the word go. Yeah. And, you know, to kind of wrap things up and touch base about tomorrow, uh, it is exciting. You know, you got Utah coming in. They they've lost their first game of the year. Um, they came back and won a, won an exciting match last week against, yeah. uh, against new England. Um, it's kind of a, which team is going to show up for them. So it's a, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I'm kind of excited about the lineups. Yeah. We have got Jamie, you get Franker in the, in the lineup, you know, Frank coming off the bench, which, you know, that's an impactful player to come off the bench for you guys. But there's also some young guys on there. Um, uh, Stuart, uh, Stuart Morris from, you know, he's a Baylor guy, young kid. 
kind of looking forward, even beyond this season, we talked about some of the changes that have happened within the organization, building an academy, things like that. What does that look like for you and building that youth that kind of connects with everybody, you know, from, from the youth level of the Huns that they have, you know, there are 160 kids that we talked about on the podcast earlier with, uh, um, excuse me, with Bill Overton. What's that look like for you to build an academy here in the U.S. in Austin to build up that that reputation? Yeah, well, part of the uh, processes there are to ensure that the the way that we we're developing our our players here is spread down into the the areas in the community, and we we want to share that um, either the you know, the intellectual property of what's inside the Gilgronies back down through rugby and also have an open mind to information that they're doing that can come back up. And if we've got that two-way stream, then we're going to be stronger for it. There's a lot of things we can do in, in our basic skill sets and conditioning and strength programs that we can operate here that that, that go into any environment uh, because we're not actually enforcing a style of play onto anybody. We're just going to create better athletes, you know, better rugby athletes, give the skill sets in, uh, give some good programming, support uh, support training programs so that every player is getting better and enjoying the game. And at the same time, we want to introduce new players to the game and, and as we talked about before, tackle sport athletes, give them a, a real taste of, of another tackle sport and give them the ability to learn the basic skills um, also game awareness, et cetera, but grow that. And, and you do that through an academy program where you're able to identify each in, each individual's needs, assess them, make, create their needs, and then create an activity program for them to develop. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate the time that you've talked with us. It's been really great um, to kind of learn just more about you and kind of the direction that you're looking to take the team from from a rugby organization, not not necessarily like front office, but um, from just the rugby organization. Um, any last, you know, last thoughts that you have for the game coming up, uh, you know, tomorrow against Utah and kind of the fans, any words for the fans to come out to the match or anything like that? Well, yeah, I, look, I think, I think the big thing is that, um, you know, we've got some really loyal fans that were there last week. Um, they 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 they're loud, they're supportive, uh, but but they are the the lifeblood of of the players when they're out on the field. So, you know, and that shows a good resilience. Those 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 people turning up to our game, and and what they might not realise, but they're actually displaying the resilience that our players feed off. Mm-hmm. The fact that our supporters are turning up and they're boisterous and they're loud and they're behind us all, and we've been who we've been for the last, you know, 12 months and they still turn up and, and, and that shows the resilience that our players are feeding off. So, you know, our, our players will reward our, our fans in the coming weeks and that starts tomorrow. And, um, and they're also, our, our players have already spoken about the fan base and, and how we want to create the, the family with all these guys and, and be one and, and, you know, be part of that post game or, or pre game post game and, and mix with these, the, the fans and, 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 and let them enjoy the, the contact with the players as well. So, you know, we're, we're really lucky that our fans have, are turning up and are boisterous and, and also we're going to put on a little show around that for the fans as well. So the entertainment off the field tomorrow night is going to be pretty special as well as it always will be at the Gilgronies. Yeah. Well, Mick Byrne, head of rugby for the Austin Gilgronies. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. We look forward to the match tomorrow. Look forward to seeing all the great stuff that's going to happen throughout the rest of this year and, and the coming years. It's, it's an exciting time. Um, a lot of changes, but I think there's nothing but positivity on the team and everything. So we appreciate you coming on to the podcast. No, no, I appreciate you having me on and thanks very much. Yeah, cheers, man. Thank you.
I can't thank Mick enough for coming on to the podcast this week. What a great rugby. We'll call him. I mean, he's a, he's a rugby legend. He's been around for forever and he really knows his stuff. He's really trying to shape the way that the team will move forward, the way the organization moves forward. And of course, with the new ownership, there's a lot of exciting things that are happening from, you know, from the youth level. And the things that we're going to be working on with the the new youth programs, to the team itself, to the new to the stadium we're playing at, to the new facilities. If you're a fan of Austin Rugby, you should be excited. Now I know the team not performing well on the field right now, um, you know, zero and two to start the season off. But be excited about that. Be excited about the projection and the direction we're going with this team. So lots of good stuff, but. Really want to get into last week's match. Well, first week's match we can talk about a little bit. Um, unfortunately, we lost um, you know, our home opener to the Toronto Arrows. Toronto's a tough team, as we said in the, in the buildup um, on match day. 26 returning players, 11 uh, Canadian national players. They were a tough team. They were organized. They, you know, they, they came into the match and within the first two to three minutes score to try uh, for a quick seven to nothing lead. We battled back towards the end, final score, 38-10. I don't think we played as well as we probably could have that game. Uh, yeah, the weather was pretty bad, but at the same time, Toronto had to play in it too. Our second match of the season saw us going to Las Vegas, Sin City, to go up against Rugby United New York at Sam Boyd Stadium. It was a weekend full of rugby there, a lot of great teams, a lot of great games, you know, we started off strong, really strong. And if you saw the hit that Mason Peterson put on Matthew Bassero, that was, oh my goodness. I do appreciate the fact that Bassero did comment on that hit on social media on the Gilgronis page saying that he did get woken up by it. But, you know, it was, again, New York started off really well and we started off poorly and just a couple minutes in it was seven and nothing there's a lot of uh a lot of turnovers a lot of loose balls a lot of knock-ons i felt the first half for us we were pretty sloppy and rooney was able to capitalize quite quickly again to take a 14 to nothing lead now there was some positive counterattacking that we had against Rooney right after their lineout. Uh, Lino Sanitoga, he had a great line break offloaded to Dom Aquina, and Dom went in for his first professional try, cutting the lead to 14-7. We also got a, a nice penalty goal from Marcel Toriaba, bringing the, the score to 14-10, but Rooney just took advantage of a lot of our unforced errors and scored two more quick tries to close out the first half at 28-10. Now, at halftime, as Mick talked about, we talked about we're not playing the way that we should or the way that we can, and I think they really saw that come out in the second half, but almost instantly, Rooney went, and there was Troy Lockyer, who actually got the MLR Player of the Week, shot the gap, and scored a try and took the score to 35 to 10. And at that point, I think we started substituting quite a lot of players, and we were trying to get some new life into the team. The scrum was much more stable this week than it was against Toronto, but, you know, at, at 35-10, it was 
it was a little bit rough. Now, Austin had a lot of phases, and we got into the 22-meter line, but again, we knocked the ball on again. And it seems to happen a lot of the time where we're in attacking situations and we either knock the ball on or we cause a penalty. And that's been tough for us for the first few games. And even going into last year, is something that we keep kind of shooting ourselves in the foot with, uh, with those penalties and with our unforced errors. Now, there was a great run by Zinni, and it ended up feeding Mason for try, slotting the uh, score to 35-17. Of course, then Rooney, almost right after that, scored another another try to take the score to 42-17. But I really felt like right after that 42-17 st- score, Austin started to find some momentum. And there was a lot of great forward progress. And you can see where we started playing the more free-flowing style of rugby that we want to play, which opened up Zenny for the ability to dive over into the right corner after getting tackled and not actually getting held on to. So he got right back up quickly and scored to try, take the score to 42-24. We then had a great try by Gabe Farley after Zenny offloaded to Marcelo and really got, got going again at 42-31 and gives us the bonus point try. But again, we just started giving up a lot of, again, more penalties, more you know, kind of sloppy play, we'll call it. And that led to Troy Lockyer intercepting a pass from Penny, resulting in a try by Kyle Simpson. So it was tough for us, I think. Final score, 49-31. High-scoring match. Not a lot of defense, which is also kind of rough for us. And, man, I just felt that we, we didn't perform for the full 80 minutes. You look at the stats, you know, our territory, we were only in attacking territory about 37% of the time and really only had about 14, 15 minutes or so of, of, of true attacking minutes. So, so that was really important when you look at Rugby United, who had 63% territory and had almost 19 minutes of attacking time. And that right there are key stats that shows why we were not scoring a lot. We're really only making the gain line in that match about 79% of the time, so still need to increase that quite a bit. Uh, I think it's something important as we try to find areas for improvement. Obviously, I think one of the biggest things for us, we conceded 11 penalties. 11 to 6 on the penalty count. That that, that says a lot right there. We were we were definitely not not doing well in our penalties, and it killed us in the first match too. So there, there were some good things, but I think one of the things that we also look at, if you look at statistics, when exiting the 22, like so our own 22, and we exit, we failed 20% of the time. And that is a, that's, that's tough. So when you fail 20% of the time to get outside your 22, you're already putting the opponent straight into your 22, in, into your 22 and into the attacking phase, which goes into how we actually perform overall and how we're always playing on the back foot. So that's the game from New York in Las Vegas. Again, high scoring match. Yes, good rugby match in some parts. But I think that overall we're really we're still just not playing the full 80 minutes. Again, second half of the Toronto match or the last 
20 minutes of the Toronto match, we started playing a little bit better. You know, the second second half, probably the last 35 minutes or so, we played better in New York. So I'm looking forward to playing a full 80 minutes. Let's get on the front foot at the beginning of the match against Utah. So this week is a new week, new game, back home. Austin's made five changes to the starting lineup from last week's match against Rugby United New York. Of course, we've got the new signing this week, Jamie McIntosh, former All Black, coming in at loosehead prop. Tion Erasmus is going to jump in at hooker. And Mo, open side flanker, Mo Abdominen, one of our favorite, jumps back in there in the starting lineup. Roddick Waters is on the wing, and try scorer Gabe Farley jumps in at inside center this week. We've also added Luca Tani, um, who is a lock that played with San Francisco Golden Gate Rugby Club, and Stuart Morris, who was a collegiate All-American at Baylor and former captain over there to the team. And then, of course, former All-Black Frank Halai, who just got the team, will be on the bench. So that's nice to have Frank coming off the bench. <clears throat> Lineup looks solid for us. Again, Jamie at one, Tion at two, Mason two weeks in a row starting at tight head. Michele Naramatanga, the big Fijian Godzilla at four. Potuleavasa, uh, he's going to be at five. Damakina at six. Like I said, Mo is at seven. Lino Sanitanga at eight. Marcelo at nine. Captain Zinzan Ellen Puttick going back at fly half number 10. Gabe Farley at 12. Penny at 13. Corey Jones at 14, Roderick Waters at 11, and, of course, Rodrigo Silva in the back. On the bench, Brendan Rams, Juan Echevarria, Lerome White, Luca Tani, Stuart Morris, Colby Stevens, Sione Fangawea, and Frank Halai. A lot of excitement on that bench. Really looking forward to seeing Frank play. Glad to see Jamie on the team there, get that pack all lined up, and hopefully our scrums can, can be a little bit better than they have been in the past couple weeks. Much better week two than week one, but... We're really hoping that that big improvement's going to be going to be big for us. And of course, I think Frank coming off the bench—that's a pretty pretty big threat coming off the bench there. Utah Warriors have made three changes to the lineup, starting in the backs with James uh, Vifale. He's going to debut at wing. Tyler Fisher's at outside center, and Robbie Povey at fullback. So, you know, New England—they're they're a tough team. They're one and one. They lost to to Rugby ATL the first week of the season, and really came back and had a great win against the New England Free Jacks last week. So I think it's really going to depend on which Utah team shows up to the match and which Austin team shows up to the match. So if we're playing hard all 80 minutes and playing our free-flowing game that we want to play, I think that we've got a really good chance at home. And I think that we we have a lot to show. we got a lot to, to live up to right now. We've got a lot of new signings, a lot of new faces. The team's changing, but at the same time, we're still trying to to get out there and to play that style of rugby, that free-flowing style of rugby that, that we know that they can play. And we saw that in some of the plays against New York. And, you know, again, we hope to see that with Utah. I think a lot of people you got to look forward to watching against Utah. You know, their, their captain, you know, and, and scrum half, Dwayne Polevatayo, he is he is really tough. He's a, he's a, he's a scrappy nine. James Fafale, he's a new one. A lot of good, lot of promising 
um, reports coming from him. So I, I, I want to see how he's going to play. And then, of course, off the bench, you've got you know the former NOLA guy, Michael Basca. He's, he had a great weekend last week coming off the bench, and they just have a pretty solid team all around. Um, but again, it depends on which Utah team shows up. Is it going to be the team that showed up against Rugby ATL? And I just didn't feel like they played very well that first week. Or is it going to be the team that came back and put up a lot of points against New England. So we'll see. Again, kickoff time is 7 o'clock Central Time, 8 o'clock Eastern, and 5 o'clock Pacific, I think. (laughs) We're going to tailgate beforehand with the supporters group. Lots of great stuff going on there. Flying Embers, Hard Kombucha. Thanks to them, and a big shout-out to Flying Embers for being a sponsor for this week's beverages they're bringing some stuff and going to pass it out so come out at five o'clock we're going to be there at lot b lot d is actually closed for us this week but lot b will have the tailgate area lots of exciting times out there food beverage and of course we're gonna do a pregame show again we're gonna have a new new member of the pregame show so i'm i'm excited for that it is an exciting week for rugby i'm glad to be back my voice is back lots of <laughs> Lots of people are happy that I'm back. Some people are not happy that I'm back and a lot of talking, but hey, I'm I'm excited. Again, a lot of positivity. The teams are starting to fill out. Some of our players on the visa issues are getting sorted out. I have talked with the team. There again, there are more on the way. More visas are being completed. And right now it's just hard to get visas in the US, no matter what level you're playing at, no matter what you're doing. So we just have to be patient and keep supporting the guys. Hopefully we can see you all out there at the match tomorrow. Bring your friends, bring your family, bring your bring not your friends. It doesn't really matter. Come out and introduce them to rugby. Going to be a good time out there. We always appreciate the time. That's all we got for this week on the Austin Rugby Podcast for all rugby information and news and updates. Make sure you follow Doug Coyle. That's djcoilerugby.com. Jump on over there to the Earful of Dirt podcast with Aaron Castro and Craig and Liam. And then jump back here every week for the Austin Rugby Supporters podcast. My name's Dustin. Thanks for joining once again. And as always, we'll see you on the pitch.